Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Steve Farber. Steve is a world-renowned author, mentor and keynote speaker on the subject of leadership. He's the president and CEO of Extreme Leadership Inc. and is the founder of the Extreme Leadership Institute, an organisation devoted to the cultivation and development of extreme leaders in business, non-profits and education. His third book, Greater Than Yourself, debuted as a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. The Radical Edge was hailed as a playbook for harnessing the power of the human spirit. And his first book, The Radical Leap, is considered a classic in the field and was named one of the 100 best business books of all time. Steve, thanks so much for being here. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. This is, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for this one. Um, some really brand new concepts, like I've... I've I've read and learned and, you know, learned some stuff about leadership before, but some of the stuff and some of the way you, some of the ways you present it, it was a complete brand new, totally brand new learnings to me. And I'm definitely going to like pick your brains on a couple of these things. One, which I want to just start off with is, I think you use this analogy, which I found it fascinating. Like if you're a physics teacher and one of your students goes on to win a Nobel prize, you would be absolutely, you'd be thrilled. If, if you're a high school basketball coach and one of your students got into the NBA, you would be like just jumping, like you can't believe it. However, in this in the business world, most leaders don't want others to be better than them. Like it's, we, we, we throw out this whole idea of like, we want to like nurture students. The business world, we forget about that rule. Why, why is that? Yeah, so uh, I think it's really interesting how the business, the business world, which is a, which is a ginormous world, right? And the whole context of business seems to change everything or, or many things that we just hold dear as humans, and then we get into business and suddenly they no longer apply, right? So for example, what you just said, you know, any great, any not even great teacher, but any average teacher <laughs> understands that their success comes from seeing their students go on to, to, to have tremendous success, uh, you know, win that Nobel Prize you were talking about, and I'm still teaching high school, right? It's not like, oh, they went on to win a Nobel Prize and I got to go back to class today. That's not that's not how they feel. That's their job. Right. And coaches feel that way. And you know what? Healthy. I'm going to qualify it with healthy parents feel that way, too. Right. We want our kids to go on to have lives that are more fulfilling and joyful and successful than our own. That's what constitutes being a successful parent. And then we go to work and it no longer applies. Right. Because and, and it's. It's because somehow we have come to believe, and I think for reasons that, that are fairly obvious, we've come to believe that business is a zero-sum game, that somehow my success has to be predicated on your not being as successful as I am, or even worse, maybe even on your failure, right? <clears throat> so this whole idea, this dog-eat-dog, get-ahead, crush somebody, get-ahead by crushing somebody else's head, right, that you know, that 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 climbing the proverbial corporate ladder um, on the backs of everybody else. But that's when you really look at it, that's not the way it works. And, and really, you know, I've been doing this kind of work for a long time. By this kind of work, I mean uh, uh, cultivating great leadership in the business world. We've been doing it for 25 plus years, right? And so this is not, this is not ideology. It's not, and it's not idealism. It's based on, a very simple observation. And what is really a very obvious observation, obvious and observation, I guess they must come from the same root. Uh, <clears throat> but 
And, and it's a very simple thing. The greatest leaders that I've met in business, I mean, everywhere else too, but particularly in business, the greatest leaders that I've met are the ones that don't focus the attention on their own greatness. They don't shine the spotlight on themselves. They don't try to grab all the credit. Instead, they focus their efforts on making others greater than themselves. So it creates a bit of a paradox. The greatest leaders become the greatest leaders by making others greater than themselves. And they understand that it's not, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not that for every winner there's a loser. It's that we can all help each other, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the example of that as a leader. I'm going, to, I'm going to build my credibility and establish my track record based on how many superstars I've helped to create by virtue of their working with me, for me, around me, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So it's this, it's this investment in other people that, man, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if that were the norm? Can you imagine if that's just the way we're, we, we believe we should do things, how different not just business would be, but of course the, you know, everything. So that's, that's pretty much at the core of what, uh, of what I'm, what I'm hoping to inspire in people, all people, of course. But again, my playground is the world of business. I figure if we can make an impact there, that gives us a lot of leverage to change everything else. I love the um, – so one, you know, just, just – so you've got that idea, which, I mean, it just – it makes sense. Like how we, – we all kind of – I mean, yeah, it's just like, yep, sign me up. But I like it how you break it down in terms of you actually – you, you give us an assignment, you give us a project. I, I love the GTY project that you, you're yes. speaking to a crowd and you're like, okay, this isn't just theory. Everyone's got their homework to do. What, what is the GTY project? Yeah, so GTY is uh, short for greater than yourself, which is based on, uh, uh, let's see, just so happened to have one around here. There, this, this book. Uh, uh, the, the premise is, is really uh, simple. Uh, so GTY project. So what I, what I came to understand, when I was writing the book, um, it occurred to me that I, I was asking a lot of people, right? Uh, this idea that all of us, myself included, should do everything we can to lift everybody else up above ourselves all the time is the ideal. But if I'm really being honest with myself, which I strive to be, I don't do that. I mean, I aspire to it. I, 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 I wish I could tell you that I did that. But I, I and I know people that I think are pretty close to that. And I'm working on it, honestly. But I felt like I couldn't ask my readers, uh, my clients, the people in my you know, audiences when I speak. I couldn't ask people to do that if I'm not. And. It just seemed like maybe it was a little bit too much to ask right out of the gate. So, so here's the thinking. Why not just start with one person? Pick one person to be your what I call GTY project, right? One person, just one person. That's it. That's not asking too much, right? One person that you believe in, that you love, that you have respect for, that you feel you can help. One person who's whose dreams, desires, goals, and aspirations line up in some way with your ability to help them achieve those things and focus on that person with the explicit, expressed intent of raising that person up above yourself so that by the time you and I are done working together, if 
such a day ever arrives, you're going to be better at this than I am, more successful with this than I am, whatever this is, and start there. And my thinking was, I can ask anybody to do that because I, I always have at least you know, one, two or three GTY projects of my own going on at any one time. So I felt like I, I had the credibility to do that and I had the right, the right to ask others to do that. But also I think it's a good place to start because shit, man, anybody can start with one person. It's not. And what happens is you start to have the experience, right? If you, if you have the experience with one person, what you'll discover very quickly is that this is, Listen, yes, it's messy and there's no guarantee that it's all going to be, you know, hearts and flowers. Right. But it, it is um, incredibly rewarding and incredibly fulfilling. And when you start to have the experience of how great it feels to lift one person up, then my my guess is we want to do that more. Right. And do that for more people. So that's. So I figured let's start with one person and, and then and then and this is the kind of the magic bullet in this, the, 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 the GTY project relationship. And some people listen, I, I acknowledge that some people don't like being called a project. <laughs> it's like that, that guy's a project. Uh, so you don't have to use that language, but, you know, it's a, or just a GTY relationship, whatever you want to call it. Um, but there's there's something uh, magic in it when that relationship has no strings attached, right? So I'm going to do this with you because I want to, because I believe in you, because I love you, whatever it might be. Uh, and I'm not asking for anything in return. This is not like a, you know, a quid pro quo. It's not like a, like a godfather kind of a thing, you know, like, uh, yeah. I will do this for you, but then there will come a day where I will require a favor in return. You know, it's not, that's not not the point. I'm going to do this for you because with one exception, and this is the magic bullet, the only thing that I'm going to ask of you is what? What would you guess it is? That you do it. Putting you on the spot. Putting you on the spot. The only thing you ask of me is that I pay it forward, that I do it to somebody else one day. Absolutely. That's it. <clears throat> the only thing that I ask of you is that you do this for somebody else and ask them to do the same. Right. So then we got that pay it forward potential ripple effect that goes on there. So now it's not just between you and me. We're establishing a new uh, a new convention. We're establishing a new a new norm that could change the world. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. There's this there's this story, this narrative of scarcity if some if someone wins then that means i lose or whatever like it's 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 um it's got it's got it all wrong so i think this will really help i know dispel that myth of somebody's got to lose no we can everyone can win we can all rise up you know the the tide rises up and i understand sure but I, i understand where the myth comes from because there are certain there are certain contexts where that is true right like for example the stock market is a zero-sum game. For every buyer, there has to be a seller. For every winner, there's a loser. It's, it, that's just the way it is. It, but the problem is that we tend to take one context and universalize it into all contexts. So in other words, if it's true there, it must be true everywhere. And that's just some shit that we made up. It's just something that we chose to believe. Um, 
you know, there's something about, you know, when you're in a company, there's only one, there's only one CEO spot, right? So if everybody's vying for that same spot, then it creates this, uh, this expectation that we shouldn't help each other. Because if I help you, chances are you're going to get that spot and I won't. But the reality is we're not all vying for that same spot. There are opportunities that go way beyond sitting at the top of that one particular pyramid. And, uh, you know, it, it, and, and ultimately, if that's my goal to become the CEO, the best way I'm going to get there <laughs> the, the, is, is by establishing a reputation for being a person that, that inspires incredible things in people, that gets great results with people. So even in that scenario, that's the, this is the surefire way to the one top spot if that's, if that's what you're vying for. You've been, I mean, you mentioned, I think you said, was it since 1989, is it? So if my math, so that's what, like 28 years you've been in this game? Like, so you've been doing this yeah, for years. it's been a long time, Sonny. <laughs> Sorry for the math. <laughs> I heard that you would give like between sort of 80 to 100 speaking engagements per year. Like that's like some number, like, I guess, why? What, what, what is it about this type of work that is just, I know that is so important to you? Yeah. So for one thing, um, I love it. And listen, money is great. I've got no, I have no objection to money. I'd like to make as much of it as I can. Um, but what drives me is the love for, well, the love for people and the love for, for, um, our mission as a, as a company, as a team, as my mission personally which is to, which is really to, to shift the experience of what it, of what it means to, to, to be a human being on this planet, particularly in the avenue of, of work. Um, you know, I read something. I did a little research of my own, Duncan C.J. Exciting. <clears throat> I was looking on your website um, where you're describing what, uh, what your mission is all about. And it was it's a little bit eerie because it was almost word for word. So let me let me show you what I I just tell you what I mean. So here's here is the uh, here's the norm right now. When you're talking to a friend and they're telling you about the place they work, and you hear things like "my boss is an idiot," you know these these the places. It's it's a grind. I can't wait until the weekend. I just. Uh, I just can't stand this place. So you're listening to your friend talk like that. And if you're any kind of a friend, of course, you feel compassion. But the one thing you don't say is, really? You don't like it? You don't like your work? <laughs> That's insane. We don't say that because we, we expect to hear that. That's just like, well, of course, that's how you feel about your work. On the other hand, if you're talking to a friend, probably a different friend, or maybe it's the same friend and they get a job somewhere else, right? And, and, and it's, com it's completely different. I can't wait till Monday. <laughs> the people I work with are amazing. We do such incredible stuff. My work is interesting. It's exciting. I can be myself there. So as a friend, you listen to that and you're excited for your friend, but at the same time, how are you reacting? What you're saying, again, it's the same kind of reaction. Really? <laughs> that, 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 just doesn't, that just doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's not the norm. So my mission is I, I want it to be when you hear that kind of talk from one of your friends, 
about how much they love their work, your response should be, well, of course. Of course you do, because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's what work is. That's changing the norm. And that's pretty similar to what you said on your website, right? Absolutely. It's about changing the norm of what it means to be a human being so that we're so that we're not shocked when people say they love their work or love their life. Uh, so for me, I focus on business because, you know, even even in the worst of economic times, most of us go to work somewhere. Even when the unemployment rate is really high, still it's high because it, now it's in double digits. Right. But most of us go to work somewhere. And if we can change that experience, we're changing everything. So that's why I do all the speeches. That's why I write the books. That's why I, I certify people in our extreme leadership workshop. That's why uh, we're working on building our company. That, that's, that's why. That's why. Because it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a noble mission. And again, you know, maybe it's a little bit idealistic. Uh, well, you know, at least I hope it's a little bit idealistic. I'm not apologizing for that, but I'm also, you know, I'm not naive. I'm not naive. I'm, I'm a business guy. I've been doing this for a long time, like you said, and I've just seen too many examples of places that are like that and people who are like that, that, that lead me to believe that we can, we can make that the norm. Extreme leadership is, it's the act, the intentional act of changing, like you said, some piece of the world for the better. And yeah. We're missing the point if we think this is just just for CEOs or presidents of companies. This is an opportunity oh, yeah. that's open to all of us, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's a really important point. You know, we um we have gotten to the point where we use the word leadership uh too loosely, I think. So I call it extreme leadership because I want us all to understand that leadership is an extreme act. It's not a label, it's not a title. You know, it's easy to say to put, you know, leader on my business card or, or to look at the org chart of the company I work for and see how far up the chart I am. And say, oh, OK, well, from here on up, they're all leaders because they have the position or title. And that's the way that's what we kind of do. Right. But leadership's got nothing to do with your position or title. Nothing. And if that's the tr if that's the case, if that's true, then what that means is it's an opportunity that's open to anybody, regardless of their position or title. So some of the best leaders that I've met, most effective, most inspiring, fulfilled leaders that I've met, have, they have no positional authority. They're nobody's boss. You know, maybe they have six or seven bosses up the hierarchy um, or, you know, maybe they're an entrepreneur and, and they're, they're a solopreneur. Nobody works for them. They're nobody's boss, but they're great leaders. They're great leaders. So it's not about being the boss. It's about influencing people to change things for the better. It's about inspiring people to step up, to say, there is a better way to do this, whatever this is. We can change at least this piece of the world for the better. That's pretty extreme, really. But that's the only kind of leadership there is. So, you know, you could argue that the, that the only real leader is an extreme leader. And, you know, so I use that, I use that phraseology because I just, you know, language is really important in getting people to think about things differently. It's not the whole story, obviously. It's not just about using the right words, which is a big trap that a lot of people fall into. We get really good at using the new snappy language, and we con ourselves into thinking we're actually doing the thing, and they're very different. But it is important because it gets us to think differently and set different expectations. So you know, I want people to understand that leadership is extreme, but it's a good kind of extreme. It's the kind of extreme that, 
that, that makes you feel, you know, you feel the adrenaline, you feel the, the excitement and you feel the fear that goes along with it, which is in the right context is actually a good thing that says, wow. And I call it the OSM, which is spelled capital O, capital S, exclamation mark, capital M. It stands for the oh shit moment, right? <laughs> so, so that, and you should have that frequently because that, that's the indicator that we're really doing something. It's this weird mixture of fear and exhilaration and excitement all wrapped in together, like riding on a roller coaster, for example. But the motivation behind this, and this is really what separates, I think, um, the, the extreme leadership act from just being a, a, a leader in position or title alone and it's, it's, a, it's an experience and a word that I've actually used a few times in our conversation already, but yet a word that is not often heard in the context of business. And that, of course, is love. We are not accustomed to using the word love and business in the same sentence. They seem to most people to be mutually exclusive ideas, right? And again, just like we talked about with this GTY approach, we want love everywhere in our lives. We want to love our, our significant other. We want him or her to love us. We want to love our kids. We want them to love us. We want to love our friends. We want them to love us. And then we go to work and it doesn't apply here. It's the same kind of dynamic like we talked about earlier. Love is at the very foundation of what great leadership is. And it is it's just damn good business. I mean, love is good business. If you, if you can... It, I mean, does that sound weird to you? It doesn't, but I, I can understand why it would. See, I mean, I'm like, yeah, of course it was, it's good business. But like, I can right. understand how that could be such a foreign concept. Maybe because we've been having these conversations and I'm now like been hearing these things. Like it's, it now seems like that seems obvious. Of course, love is good business. But I can maybe imagine like maybe a few years ago where that would seem like a fake foreign alien concept. Like love business? No, I don't get it. What? Yeah. Well, it, what I've noticed is, um, well, first of all, I, again, I've been very deliberate about using that word. So when I talk to business people, you, you're going to find it in every one of my books and you're going to hear it in every one of my speeches. Uh, I, I just get I'll get right in in your face as a business business person to business person. Not only is love not inappropriate in the context of business to use a double negative, <laughs> it is good business. So stop being so shy about it. And, you know, because we've we even though we all kind of know it, I mean, our instinct is there. We we've been conditioned to believe that it's got no place at work. So we we dress it up in other words like uh, passion, which is a great word. Of course, um, that's become a little bit more accepted than than love um, in enthusiasm, engagement, uh, you know, commitment. These are all they're all flavors of love. I mean, you know, if, I, if I, I'm not going to commit to something unless I love the cause, love the uh, love the person that I'm committing to, love the values that we stand for, love the great future that we can create together. If I, if I don't love it, I'm not going to commit to it. I, I might do it because you tell me to because you're my boss, but that's different. Right. So you want to hear the business case for love just in like just hit me. Just like that. I, yeah, definitely. All right. So here it is. Very simple. As a business person, uh, as business people, we want our customers to love us, customers, clients, whatever you call them, because if they don't love our product and service and, and, and the way that we take care of them, they're going to go somewhere else. It's not enough to be satisfied. They, they have to love it. They have to they have to they have to be, you know, evangelists for us. That's what we that's what we're after. And there is no 
decent business person on the planet that can argue with that, right? That's where our competitive advantage comes from. Now, whether or not we can actually do it is another question, but that's what we should aspire to. Okay, so how do we do it? There's virtually no way to create that kind of experience for customers in a meaningful and sustainable way over time unless we can create a culture that people love working in, right? If I hate this place, like we talked about, you know, the uh, archetypal friend before, if I, if I hate this place and my boss is an idiot, I'm going to take care of my customers, right? So we need to create an environment that people love working in. And there's no way as a leader I can create an environment that people love working in unless I love it myself first. I can't expect my team to love working here unless I love my team. I mean, it's really just that simple. So it starts with the customer. We want our customers to love us. We need to create an environment that people love working in. Therefore, I need to love this place myself first in order to create that environment. So it all becomes very personal very quickly, but, it's, but, but the, if you need a justification for it, if you really need to have that, just think about it in terms of the customer experience. And then, then it becomes, how do we do that? How do we actually take this, this, idea, this experience of love and this idea of love is a business principle? And, and this might sound a little bit you know, contradictory or um, paradoxical, but how do we operationalize it? So how, what does love look like in the way that we do business? So we have to look at the impact of, you know, how does that affect the way we hire people, the way we give performance evaluations, the way, we, uh, the, the way we set policies and procedures for customers, the way that we communicate internally. It, it, it just becomes, it, it's, a, it's a major thing. And that's the kind of work that, you know, that, that I and my company do is help, help companies to do that. Uh, but, you know, you don't need, you don't need, uh, other people to help you figure that out. You just got to be willing. I mean, sometimes we do, but you got to be <laughs> willing to at least, at least start here and, and think about, okay, why do I love you team? And how do I show it? How can I better show it? Just start there. And it's amazing the kinds of things that can happen. I love it. When you broke it down like that, it's just like, just step by step, like three steps. It's just, it's so obvious and black and white. I mean, you can't even, there's not even like, it just, it, it answers all angles from just like, it's just an obvious business decision. Like, you know, your customers and then you need to create the right environment. You need to love it. It's, it seems so obvious. And so I guess often the most obvious things, which are staring us flat in the face. Uh, sure. Sure. You know, it's like at the very, you know, at the very beginning of our, of our talk here today, you, you said something about how, you know, that you were, um, uh, you know, interested in these new concepts that I had. And, and the, the truth of the matter is there's nothing new in this. I mean, I didn't make this love thing up, you know, <laughs> it's, it's been around for a while. Trademark it. Uh, yours. You've got it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, uh, it's the context. It's the, it's the languaging. It's the context. It's the, um, uh, it's the application of it in in a surprising environment like business that I think makes us react to it as as if it were something new. Um, you know, my uh, it's it's really funny how you know context and history is what makes something new. I'll I'll give you an example. I don't even know if you'll find this funny because how how how, how old are you? Twenty nine. 
You're 29. Okay. So you may not even understand the humor behind this, but let me, let me give it a try because I'm sure some of your listeners will at least. So I'm, I'm uh, 59 years old. I'll be 60 next year. That's called simple math, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, I have, uh, I have three stepkids and three kids. So my wife and I have been married for 16 years. She has three daughters, my stepdaughters, and then I have three kids. So, so the, the age range from youngest to oldest is 21 on the young end. I started, I started actually pretty early in, in the family career. 21 on the young end, my, my youngest stepdaughter, uh, Presley's 21, and my oldest is 40. So I have almost 40, she'll be 40 in May. So I have 21, 24, 27 year old stepdaughters, uh, 29 year old son, 35 year old son, 39, almost 40 year old daughter, okay? If you do the math on this and you look at the spread, the age spread between all these kids, I raised teenagers for 25 straight years. You pull a thing. <laughs> teenagers for 25 years. So that, that's why I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little nuts um, for good reason. Uh, but what I've, what I've, what I've been able to see from that is, is how, you know, each, each generation, not even each generation so much, but every few years as technology changes and things change, um, it's the whole world seems old stuff seems new again and new stuff is new. Well, that's pretty obvious, but old stuff starts to seem new. It's like uh, there's so many kids now that are into, into what is now called classic rock, right? The, the music that I grew up with, you know, to hear high school kids listening to Hendrix is like a total freaking mind blower, right? I mean, it's just great. Um, but, uh, it's like, I, I love it when, when, uh, when I'm asked, uh, you know, what was your favorite, what was your favorite computer game when you were a kid? <laughs> and you know, you know, my answer to that is there were no computers. Which Edge one? Sketch. Etch a sketch. Etch, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I do know where etch a sketch is. <laughs> that little, I mean, the, the thing with the two dials. Yeah, that's right. Etch a sketch. <laughs> that was my favorite computer game. That was it. Right. I mean, Pong came out when I was in high school. Right. So, um, so I, my uh, stepdaughter, uh, Heather, who's now 24 years old, back when she was like 10. Uh, she it was, it was before uh, the kids had their own cell phones. Right. So she was looking around the house for the phone. And she couldn't find it anywhere. She was, and she was getting really frustrated. I mean, she looked under all the furniture. She looked in every room and she just couldn't find the phone anywhere. And finally, she was so frustrated. She threw up her hands. She said, you know what? Somebody should invent a phone that attaches to the wall. That way you'd never lose it. <laughs> what a brilliant idea. Right. <laughs> so it's 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 context that makes the old seem new again, right? I mean, here's this archaic idea of actually a landline, a phone on the wall, you know, but wow, wouldn't that be convenient? Uh, and actually I went out and I bought a phone that attached to the wall because we got sick of losing the, and then of course now everybody has cell phones and it's not even, there's not, in, in another few years, people won't even understand that context anymore, right? So Love is really kind of the same thing. It's not. It's been around for a long time. We're just bringing it back and saying, let's put it in this context. And now it's new again in the context of business. Uh, be, and maybe it's never even really been explored before in, in the way that it could be. 
So it's not the thing isn't new. The application maybe is is new or the context is new. So, you know, I didn't make any of this stuff up. It's all it's all based on it's based on my experience. It's based on observation. I have I'm not exaggerating when I say this and I'm not saying it to, you know, to toot my own horn. But over the last two and a half decades, I have worked with either worked directly with or spoken to or had exposure to literally every kind of industry you can imagine, every kind of business you can imagine. So I have this really broad perspective on things. I'm not an expert in any business uh, other than other than the business of, of leadership and leadership development. I, I guess I could call myself an expert on that, although I certainly don't have I don't claim to have it all figured out. I'm not the guy with all the answers, certainly. But I have some expertise in it. I, I, I'll you know, I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, but what I've gotten is this is a really broad perspective and and it's really. Uh, become kind of easy for me to see what the universal elements are. And when I look at the big picture, it doesn't matter what the business is. It doesn't matter what the industry is. It doesn't matter what part of the planet people are on. There are certain things that emerge as being universally true. So no matter where I go, no matter what business I'm involved in, I see that, that love is the principle that makes great leaders great. And this idea of greater than yourself that we were talking about is an application of that. What, what, makes, what makes GTY work is if the motivation is, I love you. That's why I'm doing this with you. So that's, that's really kind of the fundamental thing. So we are, um, you know, we're, uh, uh, this is really very timely because when, when you and I are talking like right now, I, which will be, this is, I guess, you'll, this will go live a few days after yeah. we talk. Yeah. Um, we're we're starting uh, we're launching kind of a viral campaign uh, with the hashtag love is good biz looks like this I wrote it down here with my this is my love is good biz love it biz if you're listening biz b-i-z <laughs> b-i-z uh, or b-i-z as we say it around here um, so yeah love is good b-i-z um, the idea is this we want, we're, we're trying to start a conversation that answers the question, how does love impact the way you do business? That's the question we're asking. So if you're watching this and you're thinking about this love, uh, this love dynamic, just ask yourself, how does, how does, what does that look like? How does that impact the way I do business? And just share your thoughts on it. Stick that hashtag on there. And uh, we're doing a little contest where we're giving away uh, all of my books, you know, signed copies of my books. Uh, and uh, my new e-course, which is coming out soon, which I'm very excited about, will give free access to that to the winner, whoever has the best story. And we'll have a very scientific way of determining who the winner is. <laughs> it's like, I like that one. That's my favorite pick. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's, you know, what I'm hoping to do is really, you know, to get this conversation. Uh, I have this conversation all the time with thousands and thousands of people, but I think the more we can have this conversation in a public forum where where we're all kind of inspiring each other with this and encouraging each other to to really step up and act on the impulses that we already have, um, I think we can make a difference. Steve, where can people, obviously apart from the hashtag, how can people find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? Well, I don't like people very much, so I'd prefer they don't find me. Okay, perfect. No, I'm just kidding. Done. Uh, uh, yeah, so um, stevefarber.com is where I live. If you can't remember my name and you can remember extremeleadership.com, it'll take you to the same place. 
Um, so that's where uh, that's where my blog lives. That's where I've got I've got a free audio series there. I've got lots of video, lots of content. Um, it's uh, I, I know I'm biased when I say this, but it's it's a damn good site. There's, there's <laughs> it is, a lot it's a of wonderful site, <laughs> really good content. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you can always reach out to me directly uh, at, at, at just send me an email, steve at stevefarber.com. If you can remember my name, you can remember my email. And my uh, my promise is this. I, you know, I get a lot of emails. Um, but if you uh, if you write to me, I'll respond. That, that's the promise. I don't know how long it'll take me, but I will. Uh, and then if you sign up for the audio series, of course, it's set up like everything is nowadays on an, on an auto, you know, auto responder kind of a thing. Uh, but what you need to know is, um, so let's say you sign up for the series, you get, you get an email with the link to the audio, the first audio in it. Um, even though that is an automated email that was sent to you, it's actually sent to you from my personal email address. So if you hit reply, it'll come right to me. Uh, and then we can we can have our own conversation. I know, I know this is going to sound kind of pathetic, but uh, this is how I make friends nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful way. So come and be my friend. If you go to his homepage and you see a picture of Robert De Niro, it's not Robert De Niro. It's your doppelganger. It's it's I'm 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 looking at this conversation. I keep on thinking I'm talking to Robert De Niro. Do you you get that a lot? I I, I've, I've, I have heard that I have heard that before. Heard that. <laughs> so you've got you've. If, if if the leadership stuff doesn't work out, you've already got like a, a successful acting career behind you. So <laughs> I can do a pretty good De Niro. You know, even got the even got the thing there. You know, I think although I think his is on the other side for that. <laughs> if you're listening to this on the audio, then if you go to spiritpig.com, you, you'll you'll see what I mean when you see the video version. Steve, this has been it's been fantastic. I really appreciate. You, yeah, I appreciate you giving up your, you, you're, you, this is morning for you. I'm trying, I'm always dodging my time differences. You, this is your morning, my evening, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, this has been great, man. I really, I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful conversation I, and I, and I look forward to more.